Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. Well, good morning. Good to see you this morning. I want to welcome you. Welcome everyone who's watching online as well. We're starting a new sermon series as we lead up uh, to Easter Sunday. We're only seven Sundays away from Easter, and we're going to be looking at the seven last sayings of Jesus upon the cross. Now, uh, Scripture records that in the last six hours that Jesus lived, when he was crucified, they record seven different times that he spoke, and we're going to be looking at what he had to say at all seven of those times and what it means uh, to us today. And we're starting out with Luke chapter 23, verse 34, the first of the seven last sayings of Jesus, and that is, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Let's have a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for your word. As we look into it now, help us to understand it, and then help us to live accordingly. In Jesus' name, amen. So we think about the seven last sayings of Jesus on the cross, and the one we're looking at today is all about forgiveness. Forgiveness is something that is the hallmark of our faith. It's what our salvation is based upon. Uh, and when we think about forgiveness, there's an old saying, forgive and forget. Now, that's very hard to do. It's very hard to forget something that's been done to you. And really, in Scripture, we're not told that our job is to forget. Our job is to forgive. Now, we're lucky God does forget. We're told that He removes our sins as far as the east is from the west, that He washes and makes us whiter than snow. But we're going to be talking today about the fact that God forgives us, but we should never forget. We should never forget what God has done for us, and we should never forget how we gained our salvation, and we should never forget how we got to the place that we are today. I was reading a story this week about a Minnesota police officer by the name of Christy Sue Hathaway, and 10 years ago, she went to the scene of a car wreck, and the driver, Amy Martin, was so drunk that she couldn't even communicate. She'd ran into a tree, and in the back seat, she had a 10-month-old girl in a car seat. The next morning when uh, Martin had sobered up a little bit, Hathaway went in and Martin said, is my daughter okay? And Hathaway just lost it and said, is your daughter okay? You were driving so drunk, you had no idea where you were, you could have cared less about your daughter, and I want you to know something. I grew up in a home where my mother was an alcoholic, and she was taken away from us, and I had to grow up in, orf in an orphanage because my mom could not get her alcoholism under control. Is that what you want for your daughter? Because that's the path you're going down. And then she gave her an AA pamphlet. The interesting thing was she never saw Amy Martin again for an entire year. And one year later, Martin walked into the police station found Hathaway, and gave her her one-year sobriety pin from AA. The next year, she came by and gave her her second-year sobriety pin from AA. The next year, she came by and gave her her third-year sobriety pin from AA. The two ladies became friends. They attended each other's weddings. They attended birthday parties together. And this past week, Amy Martin walked into the police station found Christy Sue Hathaway, and this is a picture of them right here. She gave her her 10-year sobriety pin. They're each holding up five, showing that they, she has been uh, sober for 10 years. And this is what Amy Martin said. 
She changed my life. I never will forget what she has done for me and all that it has done in my life. And that's really what we need to remember with our salvation. We need to always remember what Jesus has done for us and how it has changed our life. So we're going to look now at this first of the seven last sayings of Jesus. And the first thing we see is this. Jesus identifies with who we are as sinners. Jesus identifies with who we are as sinners. We're actually going to start over in Luke chapter 23 with verse 32. Luke 23, verse 32. And it says, Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right hand and the other on his left. So our scripture starts with a little bit of background. The first background is that there were actually three people that were crucified that day. Jesus and two other guys. We're told the two other guys were referred to as criminals. Now, whatever their crime was, it was more than a thief. Sometimes you hear there were, you know, Jesus was crucified with a thief on the cross. Well, Romans had very strict guidelines when it came to execution. Not just anyone was executed. They had laws and things just as we do. Capital punishment was a very serious crime. But crucifixion was even a step above that. The purpose of crucifixion was to make the person suffer and to be an example to other people so they didn't do the same thing. And so a Roman citizen, unless they were traitors, could not be crucified. The, the main punishment for a Roman citizen, if you got capital punishment, was they chopped your head off. You weren't crucified. Crucifixion would sometimes take days for the person to die. And so uh, uh, these people, whatever they have done, have, created, have done the worst thing that Rome could imagine, and they've been executed in the worst way that Rome could do. So Jesus and these two people are led out to be crucified, these two people that somehow have done the worst things that you can do in Roman society. The next thing we're told in these two verses is that they're taken to a place called the skull. They're taken to a place called the skull. Now, in the Greek, uh, the word skull is cranio. Remind you of any English words? Cranium, head, yeah, skull, uh, whatever. Uh, in Latin, the word is calva, and that's where we get the word calvary. And then sometimes you hear the word gogotha, and that's just Aramaic for skull. But it makes it quite different when you think of Calvary as being the place of the skull. Think about it for a second. Mercy, there was great and grace was free. Pardon, there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at the place of the skull. Does that sound just a little bit different? Yeah. Sounds a little bit different, doesn't it? You know, not quite as, as, uh, as, as nice as we think. So why was it called the place of the skull? Well, there could have been several reasons. Uh, two main ones is maybe it was called the place of the skull because of the way that the, the hill was shaped. Maybe it was shaped like a, like a head, and so they called it the, the skull hill or something like that. And the, the other main reason is maybe this was the place where they crucified people, and so it was a place of death, and they called it the place of the skull. But for whatever reason, Jesus and these two other people are led out to be crucified at a hill called the skull. And the point is obvious. Jesus was identifying with sinful man and dying for our sins. It's not a coincidence that Jesus died that day with surrounded by the worst of the worst. These weren't common criminals. These were people being executed in the worst way Rome could kill somebody because of the crimes that they had committed. And it's a great illustration for us today. 
because Jesus didn't come to pat good people on the back. Jesus didn't come to say, hey, you're doing a great job. I'm so proud of you. As a matter of fact, when Jesus asked why he came, he said, you know, uh, uh, people who are well don't need a doctor. People who are sick need a doctor, and that's why I've come. So Jesus came because we were sick. We were sick in our sins, and there was nothing that we could do to save ourselves. And so sometimes we get it all out of whack because we think as good Christian people, we're deserving instead of that we're forgiven. And there's a big difference between the two things. The Apostle Paul always remembered where he came from and what God had done in his life, and he called himself, I am the chief of sinners. But too many times we think we're better than other people. Too many times we look down on other people. But we should never forget how we got where we were, and it's because Jesus died in our place and forgave us when we didn't deserve it. And that's why it's so appropriate. He was dying in this place with these people at this time, identifying with our sin and coming to forgive our sin. You know, we need to think of it as this way. If you're here today and you're living a good life and you think you're, you're somehow living better than other people, think of it as someone who was sick and you found the medicine to make you well, and now you're looking down on other people because they haven't got the medicine yet and they're still sick. Instead, you should be trying to get everyone the medicine that you've gotten so that they can be cured and healed just as you were cured and healed. And so here on the cross, Jesus is reminding us that he is identifying with our sin. That is why he came to die for our sins. Jesus came to identify with us. Rebecca Schold is a weather reporter and CBS affiliate in Milwaukee. She's, uh, uh, during COVID, she had a baby, and so they let her begin to do the weather at home in her basement. But often, uh, her, her newborn baby would be crying, and she'd have to apologize to the people and everything. And then one day, she's about to go on the news, and the producer said, hey, everybody wants to see your baby. You know, they knew you, know you have a baby. Sometimes they hear the baby crying. Everybody wants to see the baby. And she goes, nobody wants to see. That's the weather. And he says, no, just show the baby tonight. So she brought the baby out, and everybody got all excited, and they got more emails and texts than any time in the history of this affiliate in Milwaukee. And ever since then, every show, she has to bring the baby out and show the baby when she does the weather. She's back in the studio now. She has to bring the baby to show the baby on the news. And why does everyone want to see it? They could identify with that. This made her real. She wasn't just somebody on TV. She was a mom with a baby, and everybody could identify with that. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing on the cross. He is identifying with our sin. That's why he came, was to forgive us of our sins. So that's the first thing that we see. Jesus was identifying with our sins on the cross. The second thing we see in our scripture is that Jesus understands our sinful condition better than we do. Jesus understands our sinful condition better than we do. We've already talked about that a little bit. Sometimes we think we're just good people. Hey, you know, I grew up in church. I've never really done any bad sins. I'm just better than everybody else. You know, if only the world was like me or something like that. But Jesus understands our condition better than we do. Look at verse 34 of Luke 23. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. And then they divided up his clothes by casting lots. So we're told in verse 33, Jesus crucified on this place called a skull, this terrible death with two other criminals. Nails were driven into his hands and wrists. He was placed upon the cross. Now, as I said, crucifixion was the worst kind of death the Romans could do. 
and the reason was it just lasted so long and it was so un- unbearable, the pain. So the, the nails were driven into the wrists, not the, not the palm of the hands as you generally think, because that would have just pulled out on the cross. You put it in the wrist so it can't rip out. Then the nails were driven through the balls of the feet. Again, so it can't just rip out. So unbelievable pain as you're being put upon the cross. And then the person sometimes would live for two or three days, depending upon how strong and determined they were, because in crucifixion, you actually died from suffocation. You're on this cross, and you're constantly having to pull yourself up to breathe. And eventually, pain, exhaustion, blood loss, uh, whatever, uh, you just get tired, you finally just give up, you slump down, and you suffocate yourself. That's why when Jesus was crucified, remember what they did to the other two thieves because of his coming Passover? They broke their legs. Why did they break their legs? So they couldn't push themselves up anymore and they would have to die. So Jesus is undergoing this unbelievable, terrible death. But more than that, right beforehand, the Roman soldiers had beaten Jesus. They had flogged him, scourged him. Now, in scourging, you beat somebody with a whip of nine tails, and basically that was little bags filled with rocks and glass, sharp things, so that when you hit the person with the whip, it would rip the back open, causing unbelievable pain. Listen how Matthew describes it in Matthew 27, verse 26 and on. He released Barabbas to them. Jesus was flogged, handed over to be crucified. Then the Roman soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium. They gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him. They put a scarlet robe upon him. They twisted together a crown of thorns, and they placed it upon his head. They put a staff in his hand. They knelt down in front of him and laughed at him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit in his face. They took the staff and struck him on the head over and over again. And after they were through mocking and laughing at him, they took the robe off, put his own clothes on him, led him away, and they crucified him. And it was to those people, we back back up in verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And suddenly it takes on a whole new meaning. It's not just some flippant words of forgiveness. Oh, Father, forgive them. These were the people that were killing and, 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 and making Jesus suffer. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. If you ever thought there was a time in your life that God could never love you or that God would never forgive you for what you've done, you need to understand that the people that beat him and drove nails into his hands and feet and then laughed at him and spit in his face, he said, Father, forgive them. You see, he understands our condition better than we do. The Roman soldiers thought they had it all figured out. They were the most powerful people in the world. Jesus was, was saying he was some kind of king of the Jews. That's why it was put on the, uh, the sign of his, his crimes. And uh, they were actually stronger than he was, and they were laughing at him. They had no idea who Jesus really was. Jesus pleads for God to forgive them, and he says, forgive them because they don't understand what they're doing. Now, you would think they understood what they're doing. We think we know what we're doing today. We've got it all figured out. But Jesus said, they don't really understand. If they knew that they were going to stand before me in judgment one day with heaven and hell in the balance, and that I could send them to hell and eternal punishment forever, 
do you think they would be doing this or do you think they would be fighting to the death to save me they just don't know what they're doing they don't understand it Jesus understands our condition better than we do and so we need to be looking back and appreciating what Jesus has done for us and understanding that none of us are saved because we're good people we're saved because Jesus died for us we look at the world we live in today and we think that we're so modern and, 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 and so uh, uh, advanced and so above uh, people that have come before us, and yet we're just like people always were. We look back at things like World War II and we say, well, we'd never do things like that. You know, we're so modern and sophisticated nowadays. But then you look at what's happening with the Uyghurs in China. You look at what's happening in Ukraine and Russia at this very moment. And you begin to see you're, we're really no different than they were we're still sinners we're still people who culture has deceived who satan is our enemy and our own sin pulls us away from god and jesus understands our condition much greater than we do curtis mclaughlin was in a drive-through line at the chick-fil-a in tulsa oklahoma and uh, the car that was at the window getting his food started to catch on fire and he kept thinking, surely the guy's going to get out of the car. But the guy never got out of the car. And when, when McLaughlin got out of the car, he noticed the guy was, was an elderly man. He seemed confused. He didn't know what to do. He's kind of panicked, just sitting there. So McLaughlin ro- runs up, opens the door, and the guy starts pushing him away. You know, no, no. And so he tries to get the seatbelt off. The guy's pushing him. He finally gets the seatbelt off the guy, grabs him, and literally pulls the guy screaming out of his car And literally, like in a movie, a few seconds later, the car blows up. The man had no idea the condition that he was in, and yet he was saved nonetheless by someone who understood the condition. And that's where we are with God right now. God looks at us, understands our condition better than we do, and that is why Jesus came and went to the cross. And that brings us to the last thing that we see in our scripture passage Jesus forgives us even while we are sinners. Jesus forgives us before we ever repent. Jesus forgives us when we're in rebellion against him. Look down to verse 36. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was written a notice above him which said, This is the king of the Jews. Now this is what is interesting about the end of our scripture passage here. Jesus has just said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then the Roman soldiers prove they don't know what they're doing, and they understand nothing that's going on because they not only don't accept the forgiveness Jesus is offering them, they continue to mock him. They laugh at him and say, Hey, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. You see, when it says they put the sign above him that said king of the Jews, when you were crucified, they wanted to scare people and make sure they didn't do what they had done. And so they put your crime above you. And Jesus' crime was being a traitor, to traitor to Rome. He says he's the king of the Jews, therefore he's a traitor. That's why he's being put to death. And so they're mocking him. They're laughing at him. And then they, they right in front of Jesus, right after he said, Father, forgive them, they roll dice to see who's going to get his fancy winter coat. They're laughing, mocking, and gambling to see who's going to get his, the clothes of the dead guy to the guy that just said, Father, forgive them. You see, Jesus offered forgiveness before they ever deserved it, 
ever wanted it or even understood what it was about. And he does the same for us today. A lot of times we say things like, oh, God could never forgive me. Uh, and then we see who he's forgiven right here at this time. Have you ever heard anybody say, if I walked into that church, the roof would fall in? Anybody, you ever, anybody say that? Somebody said that to me this week. Ah, I don't know, if I came to your church, that roof would fall in. I always tell people the same thing. It's okay, we've got really good insurance. You know, <laughs> let the roof fall in. Not only that, we've been wanting to enlarge the sanctuary and everything anyway. Perfect opportunity. Show up and let's get going, you know. And then the second thing I tell them is this. Look, if you walked in and saw the other people that were here and the roof hadn't fallen in yet, it's not going to fall in when you walk in either. I can promise you that. And so, you know, we, we look around, though, and we don't understand who we are, what God knows, and we look at this and we say, you know what? Jesus died for us when we were still sinners. 1 John 4.10 says this, This is love, not that we loved God, that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. A lot of times we think we have to be good enough to come to God. We've got to get our lives straight. And we don't understand, no, that's what God does. You come to God in your sin and rebellion, and then God begins to work in your life and make you different. That's what being born again is all about and so jesus was forgiving them even when they didn't understand didn't accept it and were laughing and mocking him he was still forgiving them gabe salazar grew up without a dad uh, in new york city uh, he he always was angry he said i never could understand why my dad would just pack up and leave like that and so he grew up without a dad in the home he found acceptance in some street gangs in his junior year in high school, he got in a fight at school with someone from another gang, and he was put in, in, in juvenile in juvenile hall where he stayed uh, for six months. When he got out, the people in his gang said, okay, you know, six months in juvie, that's street cred. Now, if you do one other thing, you'll go to the very top of our gang. You've got to go kill the guy that you were fighting. And Gabe Salazar says, you know, man, I'm not going to do that. He said, you know, I don't want anything to do with this anymore. I just, I just got out of six months in, in juvie. So the next day at school, they got him in the gym. They beat him where he was in the hospital for two weeks. And they said, if you ever come around us or our gang again, we'll kill you. So he went back to school and nobody would talk to him. Because there were two gangs in school. Both gangs now hated him. And everybody else was afraid to talk to him because both gangs hated him. And so he said he had no friends at all. And he said then he went to his mom's church with her one Sunday morning and uh, another teenager walked up and said hey you want to come to the citywide youth rally and he said you know I can't go anywhere nobody likes me nobody will invite me anywhere so I guess I'll go to the citywide youth rally because nobody else is inviting me to anything he said he went in and he was amazed everybody was praising God raising their hands singing he said the music was was the kind of music that he liked as a teenager that 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 he couldn't believe all that was going on and then the guy got up and spoke, and the guy spoke about God being your father and forgiving you no matter what you had done. Gabe Salazar gave his life to the Lord that day. He went back to school, and he started a Bible club. Six people, including him, came to the Bible club. And then he asked the principal, hey, can I announce the Bible club one day in the cafeteria? And the principal said, sure, why not? So he gets up in the cafeteria and he says, hey, we've got a new Bible club. Y'all need to know something. I was in the gang that's over there, all these guys looking down. I was in that gang. 
and uh, my life was as bad as it could be, and Jesus has changed my life, and uh, we're starting this Bible club. He can change your life, too, right after school. 67 people showed up after school that day after what he said. Two weeks later, there's 250 people that came to that Bible study. This is a picture of Gabe Salazar today. He is the number one Latino speaker in high schools in all of North America right now. His life was changed by a God who was lurking and working in his life and wanting to forgive him, even when he didn't know about him. He still loved him and was searching for him. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for the forgiveness that you give. Help us to see that forgiveness and respond to it, knowing, Father, you only want better for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.